calm down, let things settle after the end of a long season. I think plenty's happened, fellas. We best get back into it. The Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yeah, note to self, the NFL offseason doesn't start until after the draft next year, fellas. I'll remember that because, boy, oh, boy, has a lot happened in the last few weeks. Steve, welcome you in, buddy. How are you doing after a few weeks away from the mic? Yeah, it's not bad. It's, we've well and truly come back into NFL season with a, with a bang. Um, it's like the Super Bowl happened and then the NFL teams all took like two weeks off and then we're like, right, how can we get the stories about us again? I know, let's all spend billions of, of dollars. But yeah, Christ, has a lot happened. Certainly has been. It's been a chaotic off-season so far. And whenever we talk chaos, we always like to get him on. Dave, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing, Matthew? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm great, fellas. Uh, thanks for having us back on. It, I find it absolutely bizarre. The Super Bowl was only last month. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, as uh, Steve said, billions of dollars spent. Some wisely, some we'll get into about how wise it was. <laughs> indeed, indeed. There's been a huge amount of movement, hasn't there? And um, I mean, some of the biggest stories are actually things that sort of haven't happened, if you like, I guess. So let's start there, fellas. We we wrapped up the end of season pod and we talked about the Super Bowl and all of that good stuff, Steve. And we, we paid tribute to the greatest to ever do it. Tom Brady was finally retiring. That retirement lasted all of, what, two weeks? Um, TB12 back for yet another year. Yeah, absolutely. And and do you know what? Like since it's happened, you sort of you look back at it at the time and you're like, Well, of course he hasn't retired. Of course he was never gonna retire. You we always feel a bit silly thinking that he was ever gonna do it, but yeah, he comes back to to run it back. There was a bit of murmurings that he might even go somewhere like San Francisco. Obviously, it's where he went to college, it's where it's sort of it, a lot of people surprised he never ended up playing out there. But not he comes back with Tampa Bay. Um it's interesting to see how Tampa Bay sort of fair this year because that team has lost a few pieces this time around. Obviously last year they famously ran it back with, with the entire 22 starters re-signed, um, which is, which has never been done before in the history um, of a Super Bowl winner. Um, so, you know, they certainly lost a couple of that all line that protected him, um, you know, and he's not getting any younger. So it'd be interesting to see how they sort of uh, rejig that. There's obviously still a question about Grant Gronk as well as whether or not he comes back, but yeah, uh, not really surprised that he hasn't retired and he's come out. Um, I wonder what they'll do with his with his contract and is it another one year deal or are we going to do another saga of three more years of Tom Brady? Will he play <laughs> until his fiftieth birthday? That's what we're all wondering. Yeah, it kind of feels like the next logical milestone, doesn't it? Fifty. You, you think he's almost got it in him as well, particularly the way the NFC shapes up, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, Let's move. Well, I'll tell you what, let's stay in the NFC, actually, Dave, because the other big quarterback story, I suppose, in the NFC was would Aaron Rodgers retire? That one's been rumbling away and seems to rumble away every off-season. Yeah. Another one, though, where, you know, Rodgers comes back, um, nice new bumper contract, going to basically earn himself, on average, around about $50 million a year over the next three years. 
Um, he probably won't be too pleased with what's happened since he signed that contract, which again we'll touch on in a little bit. But um, big news, obviously, for Green Bay getting Rodgers back. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think if Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC or the NFL in its entirety, the NFC at the time, I think Brady was still retired, at which point the NFC would almost cease to exist because there wasn't any sort of you know, meaningful quarterback there really you have know, the caliber that was over in the AFC but you know Aaron Rodgers got what he wanted he got his huge payday in spite of what he was claiming it wasn't about the money but if it wasn't about the money you wouldn't have got what was it 200 million dollars uh at 50 million a year so yeah good for him good for Green Bay uh it'll be another comfortable division title for Green Bay I expect um we'll be sitting here in you know nine ten months saying you know Green Bay number one seed in the NFC can't wait for them to lose in the divisional round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does make you think, though, doesn't it? Like you mentioned that it would be an easy sort of uh, NFC North title for them, which mm. it probably will be. But mm. you mentioned it, Shot. You sort of touched on it there that obviously Devontae Adams is now uh, gone and he's, he's been traded to the Raiders. It'd be really interesting to see how he fares without him. Like they've been so good together for the last few years. Mm. And he has got him out of some jams. Like, you know, yeah. he's very much his sort of. His, his sort of um, lock pick he goes to him when there's nothing else on mm. and green bay doesn't have an obvious number one receiver now like he was so good above the rest you know randall cobb's hardly going to step up and be that guy is he like <laughs> you know what does green bay do from here do you think they sign a free agent or or you know it, it, could rogers just elevate the guys around him like the front office have been asking him to do for the last 20 years jordy nelson's coming back oh yes yeah, it's um, it's a thinning pool, isn't it, at wide receiver as well? And Green Bay don't seemingly making an awful lot of noise there at the moment. We'll wait to see what they do in the draft. It's obviously quite a heavy receiver draft by all counts, so it may well be that they're looking to address it in the first round, although that would go against everything they've ever done in the draft. So we will wait and see. Let's keep it quarterbacks, though, fellas. And they're the two big ones that have, have sort of come back to the teams that were obviously the huge names that people have got eyes on. But boy, oh boy, if we had some shake-ups elsewhere. It started off with the huge trade of Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. I mean, it feels like this was a lifetime ago. It's only been a couple of weeks. Just to refresh everybody's memory, the Broncos essentially trade away Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-rounder for Russell Wilson and a fourth rounder in return. Um, Huge, huge, huge compensation package that the Seahawks have managed to negotiate there. I think they have done an incredibly good job because it didn't seem as though Wilson was happy there for a a prolonged period of time. Um, And they've certainly got a good haul for him, Steve. Um, But, I mean, if you look at that division now in terms of the quarterbacks that Wilson goes to join, Mahomes, Herbert, Derek Carr. I mean, if Derek Carr is the fourth worst quarterback in the division, it's got to be a fairly decent division, hasn't it? Because Derek Carr will probably be a starter for a number of teams in this league. So, huge, huge strength in depth in that division. But just looking at the trade itself, Wilson to the Broncos, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I'm not surprised to see him leave the Seahawks. I think there was definitely a divorce coming this offseason, whether or not it was Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson or both. Um, so, it doesn't surprise me to see him. Uh, leave Seattle. Um, I think the destination surprises me. Um, I think whilst I think Denver was a, uh, a potential slot for some a quarterback somewhere, a lot of us thought it might be uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
it, it, it's, it, Russell Wilson sort of come by surprise. I didn't think he'd end up there. Um, but it just it's a testament to how good that roster is. I think that roster is a quarterback away from being competitive. And I asked I asked this question in our group when he did it when he when he when the trade was confirmed. You know, does this make uh, Denver a competitor immediately? And I think the answer is probably yes. I think it does. I think their offense is good. I think their defense showed last year that it's got enough pieces to be competitive. And the great thing about this trade for for Denver, whilst they've given up an awful lot, and you look at that and you'll think, wow, that's an awful lot to give up. It's the cap for Wilson. Wilson's still got two years left on his current deal. His cap number this year is 24 million, and next year's 27 million, which for a quarterback of his caliber is not much at all. Um, he's 34. The only games he's ever missed in his professional career was last year when he had that thumb injury. In his in his entire uh, um, professional career, career, he's only missed those games. He's never missed a game before that. So he's got incredible longevity and an incredible ability to avoid injuries, which is surprising given what type of quarterback he is. Um, I think he's still got five, six really good years in him. You know, he's the type of guy that looks after himself. You know, he's a really good professional. Um, I think he's been wasted in Seattle over the last sort of three, four years. Um, and it's good to see him get a chance. Um, be interesting to see how Denver handle him and whether or not they can make a play, especially in that division. Like you say, this is what a division to go into. It's like out of the frying pan into the fire. You know, he's, he's very much right into it there, the thick of it. And this is where this is where the, the, the pros rise to the top. Like, can he go out there and prove that he's still got it over the young cannons like like Herbert and, and Mahomes? And, you know, Derek Carla, he's a fourth choice quarterback in that division. He's got a couple of extra weapons this year. We were all talking about him potentially leaving. But, you know, with new coaching staff, a few new weapons around him. This is a tasty, tasty division this year. It most certainly is. Dave, your missus is a Broncos fan, isn't she? Was she, uh, happy, was she happy with it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, though, that, uh, since Manning, Peyton Manning left a few years ago, um, rode off into the sunset, there's just been that constant stream of mediocrity and disappointment at quarterback for the Broncos. And you know, when the trade was first out, I think she was a bit sceptical still because see, uh, she's been so worn down by just a constant sort of seven and nine season. The Drew Locke era, the Brock Osweiler for a bit era, it's just it's just a string of ugh. But what I will say about the trade is, I, I think it's tremendous from the Broncos. Um, however, I'm skeptical about whether or not it does convert them into being a contender. The reason being, they've got a head coach who is an unknown entity. Um, I would have liked. I would like to see Wilson with Vic Fangio last year. Not that Fangio was pulling up trees offensively for them, but there was just too much safety from Denver. Now, I hope that they sort of take the handbrake off this year, which they kind of have to with how stacked they are at receiver. And also now with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think there's a good chance they still miss the playoffs because of how, as Steve said, how loaded that division is. It, it's going to be a real battle for them. The AFC West is going to be should be primetime games. Every time there's a divisional game, they have to be in prime time because it's going to be <laughs> fascinating to watch. Um, and in terms of the actual trade value as well, I mean, said did see the Seahawks those picks. The Seahawks are notoriously bad at drafting anyway, so yeah, they I don't think they're going to do much with those first round picks either way. But I do find it funny that Denver loaded up on Green Bay staff and then never got Rogers because it's almost. Uh, as it seems to have been the case with several teams in the NFL uh, this offseason, they've sort of had to settle for the guy that they didn't re necessarily want first. So Rogers, I think, was the prize. 
that they wanted. And then instantly, as soon as he announced that he was staying with Green Bay, that trade happened with Seattle. I think it was a couple of hours or something uh, between Rogers announcing and um, Wilson coming over. But, you know, good for Denver. Um, they've got no excuses now. They've got a great roster. They need to go and put together at least a winning season at the bare minimum. Yeah, no, agreed. It'll be interesting to see. Like you say, I think the, the change of scenery will be good for, for Wilson, certainly. Um, and we'll see how it does transport in what's shaping up to be a really, really tough division. A couple of the other quarterback moves um, that have gone down. Mitch Trubisky from Buffalo as the backup to Josh Allen is going to get a chance to rekindle his career and it seems start at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's probably a sensible move for all concerned, to be fair. Two years um, for Mitch Trubisky. Um, pretty sort of... Um, low level of risk for the Steelers involved in that one. Certainly an upgrade on what was already on the roster. Um, Jameis Winston gone back to the Saints um, after they were involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, which we'll come to very shortly. Um, but Winston obviously comes back to fill that whole um, two-year contract for Jameis with $21 million guaranteed. I think that'll also be good as well because I think that suggests that he's the guy that they're going to commit to. Um, so hopefully there's no more of this um, nonsense about who's actually going to play week in and week out. Um Tyrod Taylor goes across to the Giants, potentially to displace Daniel Jones, potentially to back him up. We will wait and see. Um, and the news that's broke today, Matt Ryan traded from the Falcons to the Colts for a third-round pick. Um, it's a little bit surprising, really, that one, because the Falcons are going to have to eat a huge amount of um, money on this one. Is it $40 million just to actually eat his, um, his salary this this year? Yeah, $40.5 million. Forty and a half. It's the largest cap history cap hit in NFL history. Yeah, just seems passing a, the Eagles last year, they had thirty-three point something for Wentz. Seems a very strange one just to get a third round pick in return. Um, it seems like a full rebuild though, there doesn't it in Atlanta at the minute? Who knows who's going to play quarterback? Um, there could be some movement still to come. But let's get into it, fellas. The the awkward one, if you like, the one that. Um, <laughs> that really shook the NFL world on Friday when the trade went down. It obviously has emerged that four teams were in play to, to trade to Sean Watson, those four teams being the Saints, the Falcons, the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns. It appeared as though the Cleveland Browns were the first team to drop out of the running um, and that was subsequently followed by the Panthers being told that they were out of the running. So it seemed as though it was a straight fight between the two teams in the NFC South. And then lo and behold, Friday night, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Deshaun Watson signs a five-year, fully guaranteed, nonetheless, $230 million deal to become the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback. Trade compensation, huge, as you can imagine, three first-round picks, um, a fourth-round pick in the um, 2024 draft, essentially swapped for a fifth-year uh, for a round five pick as well. So huge, huge trade compensation. Um, obviously difficult to have this conversation without talking about the stuff off the field. I mean, if, you, if you're talking about on the field, look, you know, I think it's a, it's a massive upgrade at the position. I say that as a fan of Baker Mayfield, but I think in terms of what they've done on the field, I think Deshaun Watson's a huge upgrade based on what's actually been put on film and what he's actually done on the on the football field. 
Um, I actually think if you looked at it just from a player's perspective, I don't hate the compensation either. We were talking before we hit the record button about how much San Francisco paid to move up in the draft to get Trey Lance last year. And it's not too dissimilar in terms of the volume of compensation. And that's obviously, you know, for a prospect as, as opposed to a proven commodity. Um, so I don't necessarily hate the compensation. Um, contract is what it is. Not a particularly huge fan of it as such, but you can tell the way the market's going and the quarterback money just is going through the roof. Um, so I'm not overly concerned in terms of the, the amount. I wouldn't have certainly fully guaranteed it. And there's obviously pending legal cases and potential suspensions and all the rest of it to, to factor into that. Um, it, like I say, difficult to have the conversation without having the conversation, isn't it, guys? You know where I'm alluding to with this. So, Steve, I'll come to your your take on it first. Yeah, first of all, I'm just glad it's over. I'm just glad it's done. I'm glad that we, you know, we we don't have to now spend every every week talking about the Deshaun Watson rumors and where he's going to go and, and what they're going to get for him and all that sort of stuff. So, it's, on the one hand, it's really good it's done. Um, on the on the other hand, I, I you know. As a, as a fan of a team who were rumoured initially to be in the running for him, um, the Eagles, it's it was always something that sat a bit uncomfortably with me. And I think every single NFL fan feels the same. Uh, you ask any of the guys in our group, you know, you guys included Browns fans, it, it doesn't sit sort of well with whoever it ended up being. And I know, Dave, you mentioned that when it looked like it was probably going to be the Saints at one point, you know, you were talking about how sort of uncomfortable it made you feel and how you just, you know, you got to root for the team and root for the sport and, and, and sort of you have to sort of leave that stuff at the door. And, and, and I'm in a position with my football team at the moment who have been taken over by, you know, a consortium that includes money from Saudi Arabia and that in itself creates its own moral quandary where you, you, you I don't get a say in who owns my football club. So I've just got to support the team and support the, the sport and, and just, you know, get on with it. And unfortunately, I don't get a say in it. It's, it's much like that for you, Sean, I'm sure. You know, it's a horrible moral issue to be faced with. And, you know, I don't think we can write it off. I don't think you can just sort of put it to the side and say, well, you know, we have to ignore it all now. It's done because, you know, you read into what's still happening in the civil side of things. It's very much not done. Um, you know, but the NFL's got a, a reputation of, shall we say, choose my words carefully here, sweeping these sort of things under the carpet, you know, and, and just getting on with it because at the end of the day, money talks and the sport talks. And if the NFL is good at one thing, that is making money. And that's what they've done. They've created the headlines, they've made the money, and now, um, you know, he's on the Browns. And, and I don't envy you guys for having to cheer for him every week. And I know that it's not going to necessarily be for him itself, it's going to be for the team. Um, but, you know, I hope that you can just enjoy the football and, and just enjoy of potentially Cleveland being being competitive, which is something you've been wanting and willing for, for years and years. Um, I think one thing I would say, just quickly from a Houston perspective, I think Houston have handled this excellently. Um, I think they've they've pulled a blinder in the sense that they've now just completely moved on. They get to restart the franchise with with first round picks in their in their pocket for two of them for each of the next three years um and you know what looked like a bit of a car crash of a franchise over the last couple of years now becomes you know potentially a really excited exciting rebuild so yeah be interesting to see how they look in a couple of years time but you know it's it's a it's a different real real difficult one and i don't envy the position you're in 
No, no, I think you've, you've summed it up quite well, mate. I think I, my feelings were sort of summed up when I said even when the Browns win, they seemingly find a way to lose. Because, like I say, if you look at it from a player's perspective, he, like I said earlier, I think he is a massive upgrade, and I'd be, I'd be incredibly excited if there was obviously nothing going on off the field in terms of what he actually brings to the table. Um, Dave, I think you sort of breathed a bit of a sigh of relief, didn't you, when the <laughs> when the trade came through? Because it looks as though it was going to be the same. Yeah, from a purely selfish point of view, I was very relieved that we weren't going along with that, but it doesn't erase the fact that the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints and the Browns um, are all, you know, complicit in a sort of, it's almost like Steve said, just sweeping this stuff under the carpet when really there is an ongoing civil case to, um, I'm a firm believer in innocence before guilt, but how Deshaun Watson and his team have handled it is just smacks of arrogance, um, verging on ignorance, um, whether that is willful or otherwise. And it really doesn't sit well with me at all how he's likely going to be taking the field. And at, at the end of the day, I, I feel sorry for people who have been victims uh, of such things in the past. I'm not overly qualified to speak on this sort of subject whatsoever, but what sort of message does it send to the wider community when you can behave so reprehensibly, arguably, you know, or you know, accused of behaving so re uh, reprehensibly, but then also the message that you're sending out in the media that you're being vindicated because you're not being taken to trial over something. It, it just... It just sits so poorly with me. And we will move on from this. Cleveland fans will move on from this, I hope. Um, I feel sorry for Baker Mayfield as well. I think he's been treated pretty abysmally throughout this. Um, and yeah, good for the Texans. I didn't think I'd be saying that because I thought they were a pretty horrifically run franchise. But as Steve said, they've got an army of draft picks now. Good for them. Um, I hope they do something in the South this year. Probably won't, but you know, Let's root for Davis Mills. Forget about Desha uh, yeah. Deshaun Watson. Uh, we don't need to say any more about what he supposedly has or hasn't done. But yeah, it, it's just. I yeah, think I not think nice. you hit you hit the nail on the head perfectly, and I will just jump in quickly, just with one mm. last sort of closing point from my side. Mm. Is um, it's the way the contract structured that that really makes it sort of that that like wow, like, you know, trading for him on the one hand, you could sort of think, well, okay, you know, you're putting your franchise first and, you know, the sport and on the field comes mm. first. But the way the contract is structured, especially in this first year, so that he's only got a one, it's like 1.08 million sort of base salary this year. So if he does get suspended, he actually doesn't really lose any money. That, in that, the way that's done is like, wow, like, wow, mm. guys, this is really how you're going to do this. Um, yeah. And yeah, I agree with you, all of your sentiments there, you know, all the people we feel sorry for. And, and and I think the really interesting sort of, I saw this on Twitter last week of, you know, how how do you feel now if you're a, if you're a female Browns fan? You yeah. know, that's sort of sentiment. And, and obviously this is, this must be awful for you, Sean and, and, and Josh and a few of the Browns fans that I know that, you know, you've got to deal with all of this and but know that it, you've got nothing, you can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do about this. You are completely powerless. This just happens to have happened to your franchise. It could have been Dave's. It could have been mine. You know, it could have been any of ours, mm. you know, and it just happens to have been the Browns. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, look, you know, let's let's let the legal proceedings play out. You know, I think that's important. I think, you know, as Dave said, you know, difficult to comment too much. I think, look, in the court of public opinion, that will probably, you know, will probably always be remembered one way or another, now, regardless of whatever happens in the coming days and weeks and months ahead. Um, you know, but I think it's important to let the legal side of things play out. Um, and yeah, look, it's a PR nightmare that teams didn't have to get involved in. Three or four teams decided to try and get that opportunity to do so. Um, it really just brings it back that the NFL is all about, as you said earlier, Steve, money, winning, and ultimately the moral side of it quite often does get left behind, doesn't it? Which is a real, real shame. Let's move on though, fellas, because like I say, we could talk yeah. all night on um, on that particular trade and that particular subject. Let's move on to some of the players on the offensive side of the ball. Um that have, have really cashed in. And I suppose when we talk about guys cashing in, we've got to start with Christian Kirk. Now, Christian Kirk was a name that heading into free agency, I'm sure a lot of teams wouldn't have minded on a reasonable contract. He would have probably been a decent second or third option in a wide receiver rotation. But boy, oh boy, have we missed something, fellas? The Jacksonville Jaguars obviously feel air steve as though they've got the league's best wide receiver with the contract that they've given to him. Four years, seventy-two million dollars. I can't even. I can't even finish that figure without laughing. Seventy-two million dollars. Oh my God, Christian Kirk is laughing all the way to the bank. Um, what was unfortunate about this is Christian Kirk is not a bad receiver. Like it's not like he's awful, but he's just not seventy-two million dollars over four years good. Like. Oh, it's just outrageous. But we we were talking about this before we came on air, and it's a, it's an interesting sort of feature of of the NFL in that teams that are what you would consider to be traditionally bad teams, you know, your your Jacksonville, your New York Jets, your Giants, um, you know, sort of teams around that ilk have to pay more to attract free agents. So they'll come to them because otherwise they don't. Why would I go to Jacksonville? Like Jacksonville aren't going to win anything. Why would I go there? But actually, now you look at Jacksonville, they've got a good head coach in place, or at least I think they do. Um, they've got an excellent quarterback in place who's, you know, potentials of, uh, you know, is, there's no ceiling to that. And they've got a chance to build around him. And so, you know, adding weapons in like that, I think, is important to them. I just don't know if they gave it to the right guy. You know, of all of the of the receiving options out there that they could have got this this offseason, and a lot of moved, not only via free agency, but via trade as well, they opted to go for Christian Kirk. And maybe this might come back and bite us. Maybe, maybe he might have a wonderful season. Maybe that's just what Trevor Lawrence needed. Um, but, yeah, it's a, a crazy, crazy signing. And... Uh, I hope he connects with him well, but yeah, that's a lot of money. It's it's bonkers, isn't it, Dave? I'm going to tell you his career stats here: two hundred and thirty <laughs> two hundred and thirty six receptions, two thousand nine hundred yards. He hasn't had a thousand yard season. He's got seventeen touchdowns over four years, with a high coming of six in the in the twenty twenty season. Like I said at the outset, and, and Steve said it himself, Christian Kirk's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Look, he's a much better wide receiver than I will ever be. So you know, he's, he's, a, he's a fine footballer, but my word, I mean, this is crazy one, isn't it? Just for comparison, all right, and I'll get your views on, on this one as well, because I think Steve's covered it well. Devontae Adams, obviously there was um, you know trade compensation involved in this one as well, um, but obviously a huge pickup for the Las Vegas Raiders. He reunites with Derek Carr, who they used to play together with at um, Fresno State going way back um, to 2012-2013. But by comparison, Devontae Adams last year had 123 catches for 1,550 yards and 11 touchdowns. 
Now, that's the kind of stats that you want from a non-born receiver, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just so bizarre. Do you think that they actually meant to get in touch with Chris Godwin? And that they just <laughs> were going through the phone book and he just had to say, hello, this is Chris. Oh, yeah, on, Chris Godwin sounds a bit different. And then, Arizona, of course, are good receivers. Give Arizona a call. Yeah, we'll have one of them. And it's just baffling. And I'm, I'm looking on SpotRack just now. And oh, where is it? The, the total cash uh, for 2022. Mike Williams is getting 28 million. Devontae Adams gets 23. And then Christian Kirk's getting $22.5 million this year. More than Tyreek Hill. More than Chris Godwin. What is this? Uh, I I will say that there is a potential out for Jacksonville where it's two years, $39 million. Bargain. But but it's still the same AAV, basically. So it doesn't really matter. But... Do you know yeah, who else is loving this? Is Tyreek Hill. You just mentioned him, Dave. He is yeah. loving this. Well, I wonder, uh, is this contract so out there that it won't reset the market? Because yeah. it, it, it's so utterly bizarre that no agent can legitimately tear around, well, Christian Kirk got this. Yeah, but Alan Robinson signed for three and 46 and a half. Um, and yeah, there hasn't been that much in the way of wide receiver free agency this year in terms of major contracts. You know, Russell Gage, three for 30. Um, and we may come on to uh, talk about those you know, shortly, but it's just a baffling decision from Jackson. I hope it works out for them. I hope that they see something, Christian Kirk, that you know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray just haven't seen, where it's just been all focused on DeAndre Hopkins the last couple of years. And it turns out that Christian Kirk is... Yeah, the next Randy Moss after that move. Good for him. <laughs> but come on. This is yeah. going to blow up in flames, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly feels like a wait and see, doesn't it? Because it, it doesn't feel right at this moment in time, that's for sure. So we've covered Kurt, we've covered Adams. Steve, Dave's mentioned a few others. He's been a bit quiet on the wide receiver front. It obviously wasn't a huge um, sort of free agent market there, but some of the other ones, Alan Robinson to the Rams, 46.5 million. Um, it also means that Bobby Trees, he's actually traded away for a sixth-round pick to the Titans, which I think is an excellent pickup. Um Zay Jones, he's another one that's got paid for doing nothing. Again, by Jacksonville, three years, 24 million. Cedric Wilson to Miami, three years, 22 and a half million. Um, just scrolling through the others and we're really getting into I think with, DJ with, Chark, 10 million, one year to the to the Lions is possibly another Why one. didn't they give DJ Chark the money? That He's already in the building. I think I think Chark wanted out after the whole shenanigans with Urban uh, Meyer last point. year. Yeah. Um, I know I, Urban Meyer's not even there anymore, but Chark's probably had four years in that organization. Like I am done. <laughs> get me out of this. Get me out of Jacksonville. Never again. Maybe he just hates London. Maybe he's like, nah, I'm not going to London <laughs> yeah. anymore. Don't want to fly across the pond. Um, but you know, it's. I think there needs to be a Trent Bulk sort of contingent like there needs to be a, a, a sort of when Trent Bulk is giving deals every other GM just sort of ignores it like oh no it's, it's Trent again or it's Trent on the phone yeah let's see what money we can get for this guy the Trent you know, outlier yeah exactly yeah. exactly and I've, I've seen a lot of people criticize him as a GM and it sort of surprises me that he's still in the role that he is but maybe he get maybe um Khan's going to give him one more rebuild and if this one doesn't work he's going to be out the door but yeah you're right I think the Alan Robinson one was a bit surprising LA keeps seem to be 
adding talent, and I don't really understand how they afford it, but they can do it, apparently. Um, sort of sad to see Bobby Trees go, but that ACL injury just just, just decimated him, and, and unfortunately the team moved on without him, and they were able to still win a Super Bowl without him, so it doesn't really surprise me to see him out the door. Um, and that, was a, that, that trade was purely a contract dump. You know, yeah. I think it was like thirteen million dollars he was due. You know, which for a, for an, for a wide receiver coming off an ACL tear is a lot of money. But you know, hopefully he can sort of um, reinvent himself in in Tennessee. Um, yeah, there's not really been much much else. I think there's still a few pieces to go. I'd be interested to see where like Jarvis Landry ends. You know, by the time this is released, he might have he might have signed somewhere. Um, and yeah, there's been a there's there's a few I think pieces still to fall, but there wasn't like you say it wasn't really a huge uh, wide receiver market this year. Yeah, it's been a bit quiet on the offensive front, hasn't it? I mean, only a couple of running backs on the move. Chase Edmonds to Miami, um, you know, and, and obviously then some sort of low ones that are have been moved around for depth. Bit of bit of money though in terms of tight ends and offensive linemen. Um, the Jags probably some wise money spent in terms of Brandon Scherf to actually protect Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think we're all in agreement there that he's a very very good interior offensive yeah. lineman. Um, big contract for him. Um, the Bengals obviously lots of talk that the Bengals would try and upgrade the offensive line. Alex Kappa comes in from the books, as does Ted Karras um, from, is it the Patriots? I believe it was Ted Karras was from. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah. confirmed just today, probably the big one of the three, Lyle Collins from Dallas. I think Lyle Collins is probably the standout one there, fellas. I mean, obviously they needed help on that offensive line. It's well documented how many sacks Burrow was taking, Steve, and it obviously became problematic in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, but I've got to say, as a fan of an opposing team in the uh, in the division, I'm I'm not too concerned about Ted Karras and um, and Alex Kappa personally, but I do think Lyle Collins is a good one. Yeah, I th- it's it's so difficult with Cincinnati because they've just come off the back of losing what ended up being quite a tight Super Bowl and making a really impressive um, postseason run with having what most people would have con- considered a really bad offensive line. So you could say that any real upgrades on what they had is going to be just put Joe Burrow in a better position and, you know, make them a better team. But, you know, I think I, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, games and Super Bowls are won in the trenches. They're won and lost in the trenches. And that's where you should spend your, your draft picks and your high draft picks. And that's where you should invest the most money in your team is in the trenches. And, you know, I, I think I, I agree with you. I think the uh, Lyle Collins signing is probably a good one. It's it, I don't think it's for that much money either. Is it three years, 30 million? I think it is. So it's not, it's not for, for a guy of his caliber. It's not that sort of um much money but yeah the 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 cap assigning is a lot and yeah i mean it again is it an upgrade probably um but you know i think for your cincinnati i, I wouldn't be surprised if they still spend a, a, a some draft capital on on the offensive line because they needed they need to improve on keeping upright they have to it's like it should be their number one off-season priorities is how can we improve our offensive line and how can we give Joe Burrow much more time on the ball even a little bit more because he's proven what he can do even with not much time on the ball just imagine how good he can be if you can give him a couple of extra seconds so yeah I I, I agree with you that I, I don't think their moves have been like incredible I think a lot of people are sort of and maybe I'll take a bit of flack of this, but a lot of people have sort of been jumping on the bandwagon of just because they've signed some offensive linemen that all of a sudden they're going to be insane. But actually, if you look beneath beneath the sort of the hype a little bit, actually, are those players much better than what they have? You know, we'll see this season, I'm sure. And I may well eat my words, but yeah, it's um, interesting for Cincinnati. And I think they just needed some reinforcements. 
Yeah, definitely. Dave, we'll leave the final offensive position for you to dissect for us, the tight end position. Um, quite a number of little moves that have happened here, actually. So CJ Uzama goes from the Bengals to the Jets. Tyler Conklin is the man that will be competing with him because the uh, the, the Jets, for some reason, signed two tight ends in terms of Conklin and Uzama, which is a bit of a strange one to give up $45 million to tight ends in free agency, but that's what the Jets have done. Gerald Everett goes to the Chargers. Evan Ingram to the Jags. He's uh, another one on the shopping spree, $9 million for one year of Evan Ingram. Um <laughs> Austin Hooper to the Titans, Hayden Hurst to the Bengals, OJ Howard to Buffalo. I think the OJ Howard one's interesting to see if they can get anything out of him. He was obviously massively hyped coming into the league, and I think, you know, for three and a half million, that's a potentially really good deal for, for Buffalo. But in terms of the tight ends, mate, like I say, a fair bit of money gone to some players there that certainly wouldn't be in the conversation for top five, top ten in the position. Yeah, the, the Uzama Conklin deals uh, on their own make sense to me, but the Jets getting both of them for 45 million dollars combined just strikes me as a bit peculiar but you know the the jets are having a, a crack at it i guess and you know they've got the money so good for them the evan ingram thing is hilarious again that's just the trent outlier um <laughs> to, to me. I, I do really like the hayden hurst pickup for the bengals I, i've touted hurst for ages um whenever I've been on here or doing the fantasy shows i really really like hayden hurst as a player it's not really worked out for him um, so far, he went from the Ravens, uh, who declined to pick up his fifth year option to the Falcons, and then Kyle Pitts came along and took that away from him. So, yeah, fresh start in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I like that. And yeah, the OJ Howard thing is really interesting because they do already have Dawson Knox, who turned into a hell of a player last year. So, whether or not the it's going to be a camp battle or if he is there primarily to back up Knox, that'll be interesting to me. And also, Ricky Seals Jones at 1.1 million uh, from Washington to the Giants. You know, I've, I've seen worse deals, e.g. Evan Engram to the Jags for 9 million. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good, good for him. Um, and they've still got the, the Gronkowski question, um, whether where he's going to go if he does go back to Tampa. Blake Jarwin is no longer on the Cowboys. Jared Cook, I mean, we'll see if he actually comes back or anything. And then, you know, I wonder if Jimmy Graham decides to run it back for one more year. That oh, <laughs> would absolutely love, but I've no idea where he'd end up. I, th I can see that as a sort of um, a, a post-trade um, deadline panic pickup from someone. Yeah, I'm sure the Jags will find a space probably for the him. Saints. Yeah, the probably Jags. The <laughs> market resetting deal on the Jags incoming. Indeed. Talking of market resetting deals, that's a lovely seamless link for me there, Dave. Thank you very much. Let's flip it defensively. Steve, he's not going to see six years of this contract, but Von Miller, six years, 120 million. We thought his trade to the Rams obviously then got him his ring, and I think everybody expected that he'd probably just re-sign with the Rams or maybe even go back to the Broncos, but all of a sudden he becomes a huge piece of the Bills' defence. 33 years old, so like I say, he's now spring chicken, and I'd be very surprised if he's playing in six years' time from now. Um, but for the time being, it's a six-year, $120 million deal, and it won't be a surprise outside of the quarterbacks we talked about earlier. It's the biggest deal of free agency so far, mate. 
Yeah, would you would you be surprised to learn that Buffalo are in the win now mode? Um, <laughs> absolutely not. I, I actually think this is quite a good pickup for Buffalo. Obviously, the you know the money aside, I think he's a player that fills a hole for them. That you know they they addressed in in the draft last year. They addressed some some pass rushing needs, and they were better this year. But I still I think they still need to get better at it. Um, you know, and we've talked endlessly about how Buffalo needs to improve their running game. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think this is quite a smart sort of move. It's a guy that's just come off going into a new rock locker room and winning a Super Bowl, you know, and so he's got that experience. And I think that's perhaps what Buffalo lacks a bit of. I think they need a bit more experienced guys in the building who know how to, you know, how, know how to win, essentially. And that might seem really basic and really obvious. But, you know, in the NFL, there is only one team that can can win it all out of 32 and you know it comes down to fine margins like that this game is decided by by the finest of margins sometimes and having that experience that cool head of von miller is is i think is a smart pickup and like you say it's it's probably a three-year deal rather than a six-year deal i don't think he's going to play until he's 39 not in that position um but i think it's a smart one i could you know buffalo is is going to be desperate to make a run over the next few years at uh, the AFC, as we've discussed, is a monster now. And so it's going to be difficult to get to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, a smart deal with a position of need, uh, with a smart player. And I think, you know, it sort of went under the radar, didn't it? Like you said, everyone thought he was going to either go back to LA or go back to Denver. And he said he's gone all the way to the other side of the country from the s- sunny, hot beaches of California to the absolute <laughs> tundra that is Buffalo. I hope he's ready. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, that would be uh, be good to see that Bills defense, though. Like you say, they're certainly in win now mode, along with about half of the AFC. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to watch. In terms of other pass rushes, Dave, that are on the move, Randy Gregory looked like he was re-signing for five years with the Cowboys, but because they said that if he got suspended, they'd take some of his money off him, he decided to go elsewhere instead, which is probably enough of a red flag for most teams, but not the Denver Broncos. They paid him the five-year contract, um, so that was a bit of a strange one, mate. I thought. Yeah, and I believe uh, I may have um, misread this, but that's something that they write into the contracts of every Dallas player, mm. other than Dak Prescott, I believe. So he's had some bad advice there, possibly Randy Gregory. But hey, I mean, Denver needed you know to replace that Von Miller void that they traded away last year, and it had been down between Randy Gregory and Chandler Jones. And um, you know, five for seventy million uh, without after three years. I mean. It's good business from Denver and yeah, good business from Randy Gregory's agent. Personally, I think, um, you know, as long as he can stay on the field, I think he'll be an excellent pickup for Denver for sure. Yeah, big if we're Randy Gregory, isn't it? You mentioned right, yeah. Chandler. <laughs> you mentioned Chandler Jones there. <laughs> he moves across from Arizona to the Raiders. Um, so another one that's going to be in that division. Like I said, it's a division that he's absolutely loaded with talent, isn't it, mate? But that, that's another one. Chandler Jones, um, three years, fifty-one million. That feels like another decent deal. It's obviously the, probably the last big contract Jones will play under. Yeah, absolutely. And um, who knew that Vegas were in win now mode? until about a fortnight ago when you know, all of a sudden Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones are appearing on the roster. You know, again, good for them. And as we said earlier, AFC West is the place to be at the moment. Um, it was definitely the division to watch. Uh, what I will say is, um, I don't know what you think about this, Steve, is one player that I thought has slipped under the radar and arguably would have been just as good a pickup uh, for any team is Hassan Reddick. I think that's an excellent bit of business from Philly. 
I, do you know what? When they announced it, and this was obviously Philly's big swing in the free agency because they don't have mm. much cap space to do it, I was really, really pleased with this pickup. He's a he's mm. a he's a Philly native. I think he grew up around the area. Um, and when they picked him up, I was like, yes, that's such a good deal for for a really good player. Forty five million three years, like for a pass rusher, for a prime pass rusher, that's really good value. Like you can pay sort of an extra fifteen million on top of that for some. Um, you know, so I'm I'm really pleased with that business. I think he's a um, an excellent addition to that line who can rotate with with some of the younger guys and, and add to sort of the experience like um brandon graham and that sort so yeah it fills a fills a position of need a, a sort of a player in his prime as well that you don't really get the option you know, the option to pick up players like that very often so yeah no I, I was really really pleased with that and whilst it's probably the only real meaningful bit of business that philly's done i'm glad that it's a good bit of business rather than being left like oh god you know oh great we've picked up a third choice tight end like wonderful you know <laughs> yes no it's, i'm really pleased with it really good bit of business you mean jimmy graham Coming to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plenty of guys in the secondary also getting paid. Um, fellas, get your takes on some of these. Steve JC Jackson um, to the Chargers from the Patriots. Five years, $82.5 million for the cornerback. Marcus Williams from the Saints to Baltimore. Um, play as one of the safeties there. Five years, $70 million. Javarius Ward goes from the Chiefs to the 49ers. Um, Darius Williams, another one to join the Jacksonville bandwagon. Three years, thirty million from the Rams. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of money being spent in the secondary as well, mate. I actually, I actually think that Baltimore have gone about their business quite quietly. I know they've signed Marcus Williams to that mon- monster contract, but I think that's a really good pickup. And I'm sure Dave, you can tell us more about. Marcus Williams, having watched him for, for several years, but I think that's a really smart deal for a secondary that was decimated by injuries last year. So if they can welcome back some of those guys like Marcus Peters and and pair them up with you know guys like Williams, I think I think you know Baltimore went under the ra- under the radar last year with all those injuries and with Lamar Jackson barely seeing the field. I think if they can get everyone back healthy, you know they've got a good structure in Baltimore, they've got a good coach. And I think this is definitely a year that Baltimore could come back and make a big swing. And I think a sign like that is a really smart one. Yeah, hard to disagree, mate. They're always a well-run team, aren't they? That's why they're always there or thereabouts. Um, Dave, let's have a look. Through gritted teeth, there, sure. uh, Always through, (laughs) always through gritted teeth, mate. Always. Um, Let's have a look at some of the players that are still out there on the market. I think it's actually been a fairly quiet start to free agency, and as much as the volume of deals, I mean, there's been some huge ones as we talked about, but there's still an awful lot of players that are out there. There's always the second wave of free agency, isn't there? And once teams have sort of settled down a little bit, I think a number of dominoes would have started to fall at the back end of last week with all that quarterback movement. Drafts only a few weeks away now as well. So there's still a huge number of players and some big names that are out there. Um, so I'm just going to throw a few of these at you. Anything that um, floats your boat or anything that you think um, you know might, we might see some movement with. So in terms of on the offensive side of the ball, Steve mentioned a couple of these earlier as well. Wide receivers, Julio Jones obviously hit the market again, 33. Now injuries working against him. Um, but Julio is certainly one of the best to ever do it. Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, Jameson Crowder. Um, you know, there's some of the wide receivers, Cole Beasley. I know, obviously, we talked a lot about Cole Beasley last year, but again, another player that's actually on the field, very good slot receiver. Um, so, any any of those guys that you feel could make an impact anywhere? It's Julio always Jones. for Cole Beasley again. <laughs> <laughs> Julio Jones, future Indianapolis Colts. 
I was uh, just going to uh, say the same thing. Yeah. I can see a little, a little one-year deal in Indianapolis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, Tyrell Armstead looks like he's going to be joining Miami. Um, I think that could be a pretty monster deal for him. But he's had his injury issues. I can see why the Saints haven't tried to break the bank. What, what remains of the bank in the Saints anyway? Uh, <laughs> to, to bring it to bring it back on a, a twenty-five year deal with twenty-two voidable years or some madness. Um, and yeah, Jamison Crowder's a guy that I think will he will land somewhere and he'll land yeah. annoyingly somewhere like New England, and he will be good. And it will be incredibly annoying because he'll be pay, playing on an absolute pittance, and yet somehow tear up trees next year. That's my frustrating pick. The sort of player that you look at and go, oh, we could have had him. Yeah. Instead, you know, we're still running it back with Traquan Smith. <laughs> oh, he's gone now. He's gone, so I can forget about him. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued to see where um, Jarvis Landry ends up. Because obviously mm. um, Cleveland, uh, in amongst all of the uh, Deshaun Watson drama, have completely sort of ripped up the, the the wide receiver room and obviously, you know, released Jarvis Landry, obviously released OBJ middle last season. Um, and have have traded for Amari Cooper, so I've, I've really sort of you know ripped up the 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 um, previous year's roster and sort of started again there. And Landry, obviously, you know, I I think I I feel like I'd, maybe I'm looking at this wrong from the outside, but I feel like he's flattered to deceive. Like I feel like he's been a little bit disappointing throughout his NFL career. Maybe you know I'm sure he's he's you know he's been to a few Pro Bowls and I know he started well in in Miami, but you know he's 29 now. Where does he land? Does he get another big contract? You know. Um, and I wonder if if the the shortfalls in Cleveland led to him, you know, maybe not making that big a name for himself, and obviously having to play second fiddle, fiddle to OBJ. But um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think, Sean, about what you know. Do you think he's still got a few years left in him, or were you sad to see him go, or is, you know, is, do you think he's got another contract in him? I think we joked a little bit. Well, we joked a lot, didn't we, about the Jags in this in this pod in terms of when you're a team that has to overpay, and that's exactly the situation that Cleveland were in three years ago when Jarvis Landry came. You know, you got to remember that was a team that was 0-16. Trying to attract any free agent was not impossible. So the Browns always overpaid Jarvis Landry for what he was. What he is, he's an excellent slot receiver. He's an excellent, probably, third third receiver, if you like, and I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. Where Jarvis Landry excels is in that sort of 10-yard box between the line of scrimmage and, and moving the chains. You know, he's not a guy that's going to stretch the field. He's not somebody that's particularly, you know, terrifying to a defence, but he can get separation. He can make contested catches. I actually think in the right system with the right um, sort of complements around him, I actually think somewhere like the Chiefs, he'd be brilliant. You know, if you think of all the speed that they've got in that Chiefs offense, we've often said they would throw the ball and Tyreek's down there somewhere. And often that's because they've got nobody actually doing the dirty work underneath and across the middle of the field. I actually think Jarvis Landry would be perfect for somebody like the Kansas City Chiefs. They've um, just signed Juju though, haven't they? But again, Juju's another guy that probably, you know, he's probably more on the outside. You know, he's not, again, he's not somebody, you know, that, I mean, look, let's face it, Juju, you know, He's had, what, two decent seasons probably in Pittsburgh. And again, he's another guy that's probably flattered to deceive a little bit. But I think, yeah. again, he's one that plays on the outside. Look, I wouldn't be at all surprised as well to see Jarvis Landry back with Cleveland. I think look, Cleveland's free agency is essentially stalled up until last last Friday when the, the, the quarterback trade happened. You know, the Browns have actually been quite quiet, you know. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the, if I look at the defensive side of the ball as well, the big names that stand out there, um, you know, 
keep it Cleveland. You've got um, Jadevian Clowney back on the market again. Lots of talk that he will have uh, now come back to Cleveland as well. Um, but some of the others that are on here, Bobby Wagner. Now, Bobby Wagner, that surely... I mean, he's obviously at a, at a stage of his career, he, he could probably be a little bit choosy about where he wants to go, and I'm sure he's not short of offers. But when you talked about what Seattle were doing, you would have surely thought that they could have got something for, for Bobby Wagner if they'd have actually just re-signed him. I'm sure somebody would have actually paid up for him. Because you're talking about a guy at an absolute premium in his position here, aren't you? He's been an absolute beast forever. Um Tyron Matthews, Adarius Smith. Adarius Smith had actually signed with Baltimore only, but it fell through. Stefan Gilmore's still out there. That look, there's there's a huge amount of talent out there, isn't the fellas that could still make some of these NFL rosters a lot better than what they are at the minute. Who so here's a question for you both. If you could pick up realistic, obviously within cap restrictions, if you could pick up any of the remaining free agents, who would you have? I'll give you mine while you think. I would love for the Eagles to pick up Tyron Matthew. Um, I think they, that secondary needs help, especially at safety. I think he's obviously a, a very, very experienced player, he's a Super Bowl winner, um, leader on the field. Whether or not we can afford him, I don't know, but I'd love to see the Eagles pick up someone like him on a one- or a two-year deal and just have a leader in that secondary. I think that'd be a great pick up for Philadelphia. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I mean, to be fair, my 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 answer will probably be quite dull in as much as I would want the Brains to re-sign Jadavian Clowney. I think he actually became the second most important player on the defense last year, opposite Miles Garrett. And you know, ultimately, the way that the Browns play, they really want big guys to stuff up the middle and guys on the edge that are explosive to get after the passer, and that you know ultimately worked as an excellent one-two punch last year. So, um, you know, that that'd be the one for me. I'd also be interested in bringing Cole Nassim back. Um, you know, as a, as a, at a cheaper price, you know, I'd love them both. If I'm being honest, I think you know the Browns lacked depth last year. You know, when 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 either Clowney or Garrett weren't on the field, there was a noticeable drop off. So, edge would be for me um, in terms of what's available there from a free agent perspective. Dave, um, I mean, Tyron Matthew before we signed Marcus May would have been my pick because we've lost Marcus Williams. Um, and then I was thinking, who can we? Picked or get picked up to replace Tyrone Armstead, and I've just looked through the left tackles available, and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Eric Fisher's the answer. Um, so, I mean, if if you were the Saints and you're still perpetually in this sort of win now mode, I would swing big at getting Bobby Wagner in on a one or two year deal. See if you can get him in. Um, do the stupid Von Miller deal if you like that the Saints look so you know five six year contract for a guy that won't be playing longer than three years probably and then just push that cap issue down the road just forever push the cap issue down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well if, if, the, if ever a team are good at that mate it is the New Orleans New Orleans Saints and the LA Rams absolutely yeah, two world yeah. beaters at it aren't they fellas we've talked for the best part of an hour and we could talk forever I think it's like I say it's been a crazy few weeks there's been so much that seems to have happened before we do wrap up though fellas it's obviously been noted and we've talked about it throughout the course of the um, across the course of the podcast so much talent seems to have gone to the AFC. Now, you guys will be delighted as fans of NFC teams, <laughs> but so much talent seems to have gone to the AFC. Is there anything in this, or is it just a case of it just seems to be the way that it is at this moment in time? Because if you look at the, the, if you look at the rosters and you look at the field, good luck picking the seven playoff teams for that conference next year because there are going to be three or four very good teams on paper that are sitting at home come January, aren't there? 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Um, it's, I think you, obviously, I think it just happens to be that there's several really good teams in the AFC right now. You know, that we've talked about the AFC West and how that's transformed into an absolute mammoth division where any one of the four could win it. We had that conversation about the NFC West last year and the NFC West was the, was the, the, the Titan division that any one of the four could have won it. Um, and I think it just happens to be that there are just more teams in the in the AFC right now that are dominant and but I think if you look below the below the seams a bit actually you know we talk about some of these teams that are going to miss out on the playoffs but actually are some of them that good or are we getting swept up in the free agency chaos you know and (laughs) and 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 actually making them better than they are you know you look through some of those divisions obviously we've talked about the AFC West so we don't need to focus on them you look at the AFC South, you know, Indianapolis last season with Carson Wentz were, you know, were so up and down and ended up not even making the playoffs. Matt Ryan obviously is a much more safer pair of hands, but, you know, I don't I don't really trust Indianapolis to, to, to the point where I'd back them to make the playoffs. Tennessee have lost a number of pieces. And again, I, I don't know if their quarterback is the answer. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked endlessly about whether or not he's got it to be able to, to get to the playoffs. But, you know, one of those teams obviously going to make it. But is it going to be Tennessee by default? Um, Houston and Jacksonville probably aren't going to do anything this season. You know, then there's the AFC North where Cincinnati came from. We obviously went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, Cleveland have retooled and, and, you know, we've talked about their signings. I mentioned Baltimore earlier and I think they'll be back. Pittsburgh, I think, are probably going to be in a down year with Trubisky and obviously, you know, turnover of players. Do three of those make the playoffs? Probably not with the AFC West. Um, And then you've got the AFC East where you've got Buffalo and well, that's probably about it, really, in the playoff picture. So I think there's a lot of hyperball about the FC. And yes, there's a lot of talent going over there. But realistically, you know, a, a lot of those teams, I think, are flattering to deceive. And I think a lot of them are not actually as good as we're making them out to be. Um, and I think there are still really good teams in the NFC. Yes, there's not as many. And absolutely, the FC is best this year. Of course it is. But the, the Super Bowl winner came from the NFC last year. You know, and yes, it might just be that the Rams are the best team in the league, and then and there's about eight AFC teams before you get to another <laughs> NFC team. But you know, Tampa's brought Tom Brady back. You know, Green Bay brought Aaron Rodgers back. You know, it's it. There's, I think there's definitely talent in the in the um, NFC for sure. But I think there's there's a few AFC teams that I think that we are all thinking they are better than they actually are. I think as well that the NFC, a lot of the teams, were criminally mismanaged in terms of the sort of, you look at the quarterback position, the contracts that are currently on the roster, uh, Jared Goff, I know the Lions didn't give him that contract, but an NFC team gave him hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> and now he's played for, or last year he's played for one of what we thought was one of the worst teams in the league. And, and they were one of the worst teams in the league, um, despite putting up good fights. Um, Carson Wentz, his criminal contract is now with an NFC team. Uh, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Bears have been woefully mismanaged. And it all seems that from a front office point of view, the AFC have just been generally a bit better over the last few years. You look at where all the premium quarterbacks are at the moment. Most of them have been drafted by AFC team. Um, even the ones that haven't necessarily worked out in the AFC. For example, Baker Mayfield hasn't worked out as well as he could have done in theory, but he's still walking into 75% of the NFC, I'd say. Yeah, he'd be an upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. 
Um, he'd be an upgrade in Seattle, unquestionably. Um, he walks into, well, I don't know, uh, Jameis Baker, I'm not sure about I'm biased there, but you get the point. It, it just seems like a very sort of, um, it's a front office thing, as far as I'm concerned. The AFC have got better foundations across the board, generally speaking. And even now, you know, the Deshaun Watson case, I know we didn't want to bring up, Houston are now well positioned to then sort of push themselves up to be an even better team. Well, not an even better team, a better team. A competitive yeah. team. <laughs> uh, hey, don't sleep on Davis Mills, mate, I'll tell you. I think, you know, let's face it, you've just said there about Baker Mayfield, and look, mm. I, I don't know, I don't want to close too much on the Browns, but, you know, mm. Baker Mayfield could have been included in that Houston trade. Houston didn't want mm. him. Which probably tells That's you what right. you need to know, doesn't it? So we'll wait and see um, how, how Houston do indeed progress. As with all of the other teams, like I said, there's plenty more players that are out there. If there's anything massively significant that happens, we may jump back on and discuss it. But we did say we'd be taking a few weeks away, but so much had happened. We just felt the need to get on and talk about some of it. We've obviously got the draft coming up. Um, there'll be some information coming your way very, very soon around the full 10 yards draft guide and its availability. Um, so make sure that you check out all of the socials for information on that. I'm sure that we'll be getting on the mics to do some sort of draft reaction or preview. Um, so we won't be uh, too far away from your ears again. Steve, Dave, thanks ever so much for joining me tonight, fellas. Pleasure as always. Until next time, though, thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.